0: This podcast could contain some content and or language that could be classified as sensitive for some listeners.
1: Hi, I'm Alex L and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. <laughs> I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type, like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. I'm holding on to this self-care with every ounce of me. (laughs) Join us as we journey through sharing together. A lot of these conversations are pretty private, and these women are courageous and vulnerable and transparent, and that alone shows us that we're not alone in our struggle. This week's guest is my friend Liz. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how miscarriage has shaped motherhood. Liz and I have been friends for some years now, and she is a beam I knew about her first miscarriage and we bonded over it because last January, my husband and I experienced a miscarriage, the hurt of losing a pregnancy was unreal. And I felt really alone. Recently, Liz opened up on Facebook and I had been wanting to ask her to be on the show to talk about her losses, but I didn't want to approach the situation in a way that made her feel like she had to. So I was waiting for her to, to share her story and she shared it and it was mind blowing. And I saw myself in her story. That is the joy of opening up because other people can see themselves through the journey. We are releasing this episode today, Mother's Day. Mother's Day is difficult for a lot of people across the world, whether it's because they've lost a mother or because they've lost a child. Mother's Day isn't always joyful, but it should always be celebrated. This episode is a little bit different because we thought it would be powerful for you guys to hear the essay in Liz's voice. And then she and I are gonna chat and touch on different points of the essay throughout our conversation. So, here's Liz's story.
0: Today is May 2nd. In a few more months, it'll be August 2nd, and a few after that, November 21st. All of these days are potential due dates for babies that are no longer with me. The first I lost at nine weeks, the second at five, and the third just a few weeks ago at nearly nine weeks again. The first was a confirmed loss due to chromosomal abnormalities. The third as well, which I just found out today at my post-op appointment with my OB-GYN. The one in the middle is thought to have been the same. The first was a girl, and we heard her healthy heartbeat and received a single photo of her before a devastating sonogram two weeks later that revealed her heart was no longer beating. The second left us almost as soon as we knew it was there. No photos, no heartbeat. The third was a boy, and we didn't get to hear his heartbeat, only saw its slow, flickering light on a monitor at a a seven-and-a-half-week appointment where we were told the growth was a week behind and the heartbeat much slower than it should be. It wasn't looking good. I then had to wait a painful, excruciating week to find out that our baby slipped away inside of me. To be quite honest, I feel a little broken today. I feel as though my body has let me down or that perhaps I have let it down, despite any evidence of that being the case. I feel a deep, underlying sadness that pops up without warning, and some days I find difficult to shake. <laughs> I feel angry at times that the one thing that I want more than anything feels completely out of my reach, and I cannot escape it. Everywhere I go out in the world, I encounter pregnant women or men women with small babies. In New York City, with as large of a population as it has, pregnant women are literally everywhere. On top of that, I am bombarded with constant baby-related imagery, including commercials for Pampers, complete with hospital birthing scenes, as I watch my favorite TV shows on Hulu. And being the age that I am, it's nearly impossible to open up my Facebook or Instagram without seeing friends or acquaintances that are either pregnant or new moms or dads. A lot of the world is triggering for me on days when I feel more vulnerable, And I love my friends and their babies more than anything. I'm so happy that they get to experience these beautiful gifts, especially in an oftentimes purely joyful manner, the majority free of the veil of loss. Even when I do someday get to hold my rainbow baby in my arms, it will be after an agonizing and exhaustingly fearful nine months mixed with the memories of painful loss after painful loss. I have been robbed of the joyful and excited version though many times I have to remind myself that I don't know everyone else's journey and what struggles they may, too, have had to endure. I can't help but sometimes feel envious." For a while now, I've chosen not to speak on my losses, though they have weighed on my mind, body, heart, and soul more than anything I've ever endured in life. Today, I am overwhelmed and compelled to speak, mostly because I need this support and also to possibly shed some light on what continues to be a desperately sad and lonely club for which I unwillingly became a member. I've learned a lot of things since losing my babies, more about my own body than I ever expected, and I'm often surprised at how little I knew about a process that literally keeps civilization moving forward. Mainly, I learned that nearly one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage, many without women even realizing. One in four. Again, I was shocked to learn this, as I rarely hear about the losses, but I'm constantly flooded with the evidence of successful childbirths at every turn. I've learned that many people are unknowingly insensitive to the journey many women take to live out the dream of having a family. I've been told, even by men and women who are aware of my losses, you should work on making one of those, or you'd be such a great mom, as if I haven't been trying with literally every part of my being." I've been made to feel bad for my inability to fully exist in intimate spaces with pregnant women. I've been asked by relative strangers, why don't you have any kids? As if I've intentionally chosen not to do so. While I do not hold it against anyone, what is often passed as harmless discourse about baby making can be immensely alienating and painful. Despite the hope of the future, there isn't a day that goes by where I'm not made aware of the reality that I will never hold our three babies in my arms." I've learned that although having babies is a commitment we can make, sometimes no matter how much you pour into doing so, the outcome isn't always a given. I've also learned that everyone's experience is very different and full of a complex range of emotions. I've learned that it's important to visit my grief from time to time, but that I can't stay too long or it'll swallow me whole. I've learned that sometimes your friends and family don't know what to do or say, But love and healing can be found in the smallest gestures and simplest acts of kindness. I've learned that your sadness and sorrow can be manifested into hope and perseverance, but you have to work at it intensely and wholeheartedly. If you've gotten this far, I thank you for doing so. If you have something encouraging to say, I absolutely appreciate hearing it. If you know this pain, I'd love for you to acknowledge that we are not alone. If you know of similar stories that end with happy, healthy babies, please lift me up with them. If you simply want to send some love, I'll take all that I can get. And if this was triggering for you in some way, if you have had experiences far worse in your journey to make a family, or if you live with the reality that you will never be able to do so, I am truly and deeply sorry, but I desperately needed to speak my truths.
1: I really, admire, I really admire that you um, were bold enough to write this essay and to share it because you and I have had plenty of conversations about our losses and the roles that they've played in our lives. And I just kind of want to jump right into the conversation with the question, do you consider yourself a mother?
0: Um, I I do. I, I very much do. You know, I think many people would consider, uh, you know, my losses to have been like early on, definitely within the first trimester. But I think there's a lot of things that happen early on that in pregnancy that just women who have not had kids or just people in general aren't aware, uh, like how quickly these things, changes happen to your body. And like, even just the fact that there's like a heartbeat and a living being thing, you know, somewhere between like five and six weeks into your pregnancy, there were three little living beings inside of me throughout my journey. So uh, I do very much consider myself a mom. Yeah.
1: In the past year, how many losses have you had?
0: Um, I've had three. So, uh, I first became pregnant last August at the end of last August. We weren't trying necessarily, but we also weren't not trying. (laughs) So while it was a surprise, we welcomed the idea. We were very excited. You know, I felt pretty fearless about the whole situation. Like uh, after I initially took the pregnancy test and it came up positive, I like walked around my apartment in circles, like cursing like a crazy person, not because (laughs) I was upset, but just because I was like so astonished. Yeah. about (laughs) that this was a thing that was happening, I guess. And so, like I said, I became pregnant at at the very end of August um, and then lost our first baby um, end of September, beginning of October. I became pregnant again just before Thanksgiving. I think many people would probably consider that pregnancy like a chemical pregnancy. I I basically lost that child uh, maybe four or five days after I initially would have missed my period. So uh, it was a quick loss. And then I became pregnant again at the end of February, um, and just lost my third child uh, about three, three weeks ago. So
1: after the first loss, was there a point where you're like, okay, so we were that close, right to expanding our family. The, The next two pregnancies were planned. How did you go about that without fear? Or when did you start getting scared?
0: I think I I was scared from the very beginning. I'm kind of, can be like a worst case scenarioist at times. So mm-hmm. I think because this initial pregnancy did not work, I became very afraid that I would never be able to successfully have a baby or become pregnant again. I don't know if that's like a sort of default or a, defense mechanism to prepare myself for the worst so that if that is the case, that I'm kind of prepared for that emotion. But I definitely was fearful from the very first loss that this was going to continue to be a struggle. I find that it's really hard, um, even after we learned that it was a chromosomal abnormality, it was trisomy 16, which is one of the most common causes of first trimester miscarriage. Even though I kind of had like closure and a scientific uh, reasoning for it, it's still very difficult not to kind of just go through everything in your history and not blame yourself. So like I had been on birth control for a very considerable uh, time of my life. And I wondered if that had something to do with it. Or, you know, I've worked on my feet and very hard and physically and long hours for the majority of my professional career. And I wondered if I had just damaged my body. Um, I had a eating disorder when I was younger. And I wondered, you know, Was that the reason why this is happening? Mm -hmm. So fear was present from the very beginning. And, you know, I just sort of had to push through it and sort of let the hope of the future kind of carry me through. So,
1: What's been your biggest lesson through the journey of miscarriage? And because life has changed completely. Um, You've touched motherhood, you know, and... I think that that is probably the most challenging part, at least for me. When Ryan and I conceived and had our miscarriage last January, we had been trying for a year
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it was just like, oh, my God, finally, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yes. And just to have that experience be so close and then it be kind of washed away just as quickly It was very, it was very tricky emotionally. How have you been able to navigate touching motherhood and walking through miscarriage in a way that's healthy for your well-being? Because as much as we all want to like cuddle up and get in the bed and never get out of the bed when we go through these things, we have, you know, families, we have jobs, we have responsibilities. How have you been able to keep walking through your life? While going through your experience
0: um you know, I think one of the biggest sort of i guess lessons I've learned or sort of uh, things that I've grappled with is like that idea of control i'm kind of I'm a very independent very I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd use the word controlling in person, but <laughs> I'm very much in charge of my own life. And I sort of like to believe that I am like manifest my own destiny in a way. I know yeah. there's a lot of things that are out of my control, but I feel like I do a lot to navigate myself throughout the world in ways that I want to. And so I guess the hardest part for me to deal with was this like complete like loss of control. Yeah in the whole situation because even with this the this most recent loss a few weeks ago you know I had been going to my OBGYN uh, more regularly for blood tests and things like that so at this first sonogram there were already signs of a declining pregnancy mm-hmm. so the growth was about a week and maybe a week and a half behind the heartbeat was very slow it was 105 beats per minute which isn't like terribly slow, but on the really low end of the spectrum. And so I had to wait a week to go back to the OBGYN and and kind of see what had evolved with this pregnancy. And like, there was literally nothing I could do. And I'm used to kind of confronting challenges in my life and being able to take a different path or do this or do that to be able to change or like affect the outcome in some way. And it's not like you can, you know, take some more folic acid pills or, you know, go for an extra run or do this or do that or eat something differently. Like there's really nothing you can do. It's just really an exercise in patience and just kind of letting go. And I can't say that it, that's been an easy thing to deal with, but just kind of like tapping into that and just recognizing that loss of control and figuring out ways to navigate that without like letting it completely, I guess, destroy me. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's kind of been, you know, where I've focused a lot of my energy and just sort of accepting the realities of my situations and trying not to... I know you and I have talked about, like, all the Googling we do. Yeah. (laughs) All of, you know, the websites we're on and the chats and the forums and the this and that because, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't Googling every night before I went to bed. One point a week behind growth, this heart rate, and looking for successful outcomes of I guess my scenario. But just doing my best throughout my days to just really try to tap into that patience and, and that accepting my reality and just moving forward. So
1: I just started, I feel like, getting over the hump of like intense guilt. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Guilt in a different way, too, because I had Charlie when I was 18 Mm -hmm. and it was like not an ideal situation. Her dad and I weren't together. We weren't in love. Like it just wasn't, you know. Right. Ideal. Right. I went to doctor's appointments by myself or with my mom. It was just so different from how it's going to be with Ryan. Right. 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 So. I had this guilt for a long time. Like, I I don't know. I don't know why I felt guilty. Like when I think about it and try to put it into words, it's hard. But I just knew like I'm with this I'm married now, I'm with
0: my yeah. best
1: friend, like he's gonna be an amazing dad and we can't even get pregnant. I almost felt like I was being punished. Punished, yeah. I
0: think um, <laughs> definitely.
1: Yeah. I felt almost that too. Yeah. Yeah, and I want you to talk about that, like how.
0: Like I said, it, it was really hard to like look back, um, you know. Yeah. And and just think about the things that had occurred in my life, and not try to take responsibility for this mm. as if it was something that I created or an issue that was my fault. Like the eating disorder when I was younger was the first thing that popped in my head. Like, did I destroy my body? Did I, you know? even with my relationship with my partner, like we've been together for quite some time, but we've, we've been through it. We've, we've, we've really pushed through some tough times in our relationship. And I felt like, you know, when we did initially get pregnant last year, that this was like, not our prize, but like, I don't know that this was just like what we deserve for getting through it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when we lost it, it it immediately felt like a punishment, like we didn't deserve it for whatever reason. And it's really hard just not to cycle back and kind of dig this hole of like, why you are personally responsible for this, because when things do go awry in my life, like, I'm all about taking personal responsibility for the things that I've done and the mistakes that I've made, my missteps, all of that professionally, personally. But a lot of this just comes down to science. But I think we're just so trained as women, especially to take responsibility for everything that happens to our body, that it was really hard to sort of talk myself out of that.
1: Yeah, I, I had I had that same that same thing, just like the what ifs, right? So you mentioned in your essay some insensitivity from people in your life. How has that transpired since, you know, it's not like it's so crazy that people don't don't really um, they're not very mindful of how they talk to people who've experienced loss, whether it's a miscarriage or a death or Mm -hmm. whatever. It's just it's just really tricky for people to find the words. How have your relationships shifted and changed since your losses?
0: I think I'm 32 now, so a lot of my relationships in general have shifted and changed in the last, you know, five years of my life. Just as we get older, um, I think naturally, like our circles kind of become a little bit smaller. I, first and foremost, was very just blessed to have the the good friends that I have in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you included. I know that we've been texting each other late into the night. I'm like, you know, you're always there. When I had my second DNC after the sausage carriage, you were the first person I called when I got into the car sobbing. You know, I'm fortunate to have the support system that I do have. I mean, I have just encountered situations where, People just are unknowingly very insensitive. Yeah. And it's it's people that, you know, are just acquaintances at times. It people, it's people that are my employees or coworkers, it's people that I do consider friends. You know, when it is someone I, I consider close enough to be my friends, like I have sort of like redirected that conversation or or just pointed out like, hey, you know, like this was a really tough thing for me when you said this, or this was really hard for me to be pulled into this conversation or whatever the case may be. So like, I think I've sort of been relatively like outspoken in like making that aware to other people when they're sort of being insensitive or hurtful and they don't realize it. Cause I know that people deal with all kinds of things throughout their days, right? This happens to be the thing that I'm dealing with at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. I've lost friends, I've lost family. Like I said, I've had an eating disorder. I've had I've had things, you know, my brother has mental health stuff. So there's a lot of things, depending on what your struggle is or what you're going through, where you can find yourself in a situation where you feel hurt or lonely or alienated. Like I said, I, I don't really hold it against anyone. Right. Um, but I do feel compelled to, like, educate people when I can because I really appreciate when people say, like, hey, uh, you know, I really wish you wouldn't have said this about this, or this was really hurtful when you said this, or whatever the case may be. Like, I consider myself just kind of, like, always a student and always learning. So, like, when I had opportunities to, like, correct people or share with them, like, what impact that had on me, like, I definitely took those opportunities.
1: It was so tricky for me at first, because people would always ask, when are you and Ryan going to have babies? That was the thing. And when you're in this world of fertility, I literally feel like I'm a fertility specialist (laughs) now. Like I know everything everything about about the uterus, how sperm meets the egg, how the egg hatches, literally everything to do about vaginal health. I know 10 times more than I did a year ago (laughs) and about male fertility because that's what we're struggling with, right? So it's like, don't, Stop asking people about their sexual activity and reproductive right. health in that regard, because it's very it can be very offensive, even when people don't mean it to be offensive. Right. right. So sometime last year, I, I put up a picture and it was there was nothing about the picture that screamed baby. Right. Or anything like. I remember this. at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this woman was just, like, leaving these baby emojis and, oh, my gosh, you're pregnant, aren't you? And I went off. Yeah. And I went off because I was – I went off in the nicest way possible, by the way. I didn't, like, cuss (laughs) her out. But I was – I literally had to say, you should not ask women if they're pregnant. It's so funny because people ask me to this day – I put up a, fam- a set of family photos the other day on Instagram. I had to turn the comments off That's because people awesome, yeah. were leaving baby emojis and bottles and you guys are pregnant. I know it because I haven't addressed it and I'm not going to address it on the Internet. Like I will tell my friends when it happens. I will right. tell my family when it happens. And that is how it is because it's because fertility, this fertility journey and this pregnancy journey has made me so aware and so mindful of how to navigate this space. Right. It's it's not an easy space. I I kind of feel grateful for the opportunity because I was blind, I'm sure, just how
0: mm-hmm.
1: the outsiders are, are are now. You know, just this excitement. You never know what people are going through. John Legend's wife mentioned that. They yeah. have an IVF baby. And right. people were asking her all the time about kids. And it's just like, dude, we've been trying for nine years. Like... Stop asking me, you know, so I want to circle back to to ask, how has miscarriage shaped your awareness with not only dealing with yourself, but dealing with the outside world?
0: I I don't think I was out here necessarily like being reckless beforehand. Right. talking, you know, crazy about people's bodies and stuff. But I will say, there's a lot about of discussion about women's bodies. And we're just so accustomed that we're all able to participate in those discussions. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of it is all very sensitive, not even pregnancy, but even just things like abortion and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. You know, I remember telling you, after my very first loss, I had been kind of Holed up in the apartment for a few days and the first time I decided to leave the apartment to go get coffee I got into my elevator of my apartment and was kind of on my phone the elevator went down the door opened I thought it was at the bottom floor but uh, I was at like the third floor and bumped into another young lady and she got onto the elevator and when we got down to the bottom she stopped after the door opened and she asked me what my thoughts were on abortion. And this is the first time I left my house after uh, my first DNC for my first miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what is happening to me right now? Like I've never seen this person. How is this the first like human interaction that I'm having? And she was very emotional and she told me that she was 12 weeks pregnant and she wasn't certain that she wanted to keep it, and everyone in her family was encouraging her to keep it. She had two other children and she just didn't think it was a good idea to bring this. For whatever reason, she was, you know, hemming and hawing about uh, keeping this child. A really very just like emotional conversation, and you would think having been through what I had just been through that it would be upsetting in a way that like you have this baby, like you should keep it. I didn't get to keep mine and I wanted it. But like in that moment, I just, we, I hugged her and we talked. I didn't really give her advice one way or the other, but just kept reinforcing that it was like her body and that was her decision to make. And that she needed to really kind of like sit with her truths and decide what was best for her. And that nobody, not her family, not her parents, not her, whoever should be making that decision for her, Mm -hmm. you know? And then it's kind of quickly as it started, it all ended. And I was just like, what in the heck just happened to me, you know? (laughs) Um, But I felt that was like a really important moment for me because you know regardless of of my personal situation and what i had just been through like that didn't change my belief every woman is going through something different than the other and everyone's journey is so very complex and there's just a range of emotions like i said that are involved in this and like it's no one's decision to make but but this young lady her partner whatever the case may be i really felt like It was just, like, a freeing conversation to have because I I had realized that, like, my experience hadn't changed, like, my openness and things like that, so.
1: I remember you telling me that story. It was really moving because I was in a place where seeing pregnant women made me extremely jealous. It just seemed so easy for other people, and me and my husband were dealing with something so hard. So that story really, you know, it really it really shifted my thought on maybe not even my thought, but it just it just opened my eyes to everybody really is going through something different and that we must walk steadfast in our journeys and not try and compare to someone else's because like you mentioned in your essay, you never know what that person did to conceive or what they've been through in their fertility journey specifically. So that story really, um, really impacted me.
0: I posted that essay to Facebook and within like 30 seconds to a minute, I just I was so nervous when I hit send and like, uh, I don't know, like how people are going to be receptive to this or, or what the feedback is going to be. But within like 30 seconds to a minute, I was just like overwhelmed by likes and comments and messages and all of these things. And I remember, I mean, I got I received a message from uh, a girl I went to high school with. She uh, was a year older than me in high school and her and her like very good friends were like sort of role models and idols of mine. You know, I haven't spoken to her really since we graduated high school, but I've seen her sort of life from afar and from afar, you know, she's always been beautiful, skinny. She lives in LA now. She met a wonderful husband. She has two kids and she just very much has this like picturesque, picture-perfect looking life. And she was one of the first people to have messaged me, letting me know that she had gone through four miscarriages. Mm -hmm. Um, The first two at 10 weeks, the third at 12 weeks, and the fourth at 22 weeks. And, you know, we had a really like sort of emotional and thoughtful exchange and it was just like very it was the whole experience for me was just very like liberating and freeing to just like sort of not be as alone in this like pain and sorrow but that one really stuck out to me because you know we talk about just you really don't know what people have gone through and i had no inkling that she had been through this because really her life just looks like picture perfect but I mean considering the all of those losses and how far she was along for some of them like it's right. just crazy I, I never had any idea you know so I, I learned a lot from this uh, I guess just sort of experience in sharing because I just got a tremendous amount of stories and people that had been through, not necessarily as the same situation, but like like we've talked about, there's a spectrum of loss re- revolving around pregnancy and fertility yeah. of all those things. So um, it was just really wonderful to connect with so many women and sort of have this space where we all kind of feel, felt a little less alone and a little less alienated. So it was pretty incredible.
1: I think that's so wonderful too because then we're able to really – lean on one another and talking about things like this for me when i've opened up about ryan and i's struggle with fertility and just how we're moving through it it has built community and it's really built a sense of kinship too. that feeling of not being alone is so heartwarming because you literally think you're going through it alone and that no one else is going to get it no one else is going to understand you and what i've also learned too is that the people in my life who have not gone through it, their awareness level has skyrocketed. Right. They are so caring and thoughtful and understanding and mindful about the language that they use and how they word things. And I think that that in itself also builds community, right? It really helps us learn how to interact with one another, not just in the good times, but also when things are really, really tough and tricky.
0: I had another young lady that sort of posted something along those lines. I went to high school with her also, and she's like, you know, my path is very different from yours. You know, she doesn't in- intend on having any children, but like, thank you for sharing this because it was really helpful for her to just like understand the struggle that some women might be going through and how, you know, certain things she s- might say or do could be potentially like painful and alienating to someone. So, you know, I'm generally often inclined to talk about my struggles. It's something I've done a lot with my brother and his mental health stuff. For some reason, it took me a lot longer. And and some of that was just sort of, you know, being respectful of my, my partner and where he stood on it and how much he wanted to share. Still, it was for some reason harder for me to kind of put this out there than a lot of the other things that I've dealt with in my life. And I know that some of that just has to do with, like, just the inherent, like, shame that's, like, built into miscarriage and loss because like we talked about earlier the sort of general thought and feeling or response around that is that like there it's something that is wrong with the woman or it's something that they did or it's their fault you know so there's this shame and this guilt mixed in with all the pain and the grief and it's it's a lot to untangle and it took me a long time to do that, as I mentioned to you when, when I shared the post, you know, that I was very inspired by you having been so open and so vocal, like with your community, I didn't expect to get like negative feedback, but I just, I was so overwhelmed, like so overwhelmed by the support and just like the discourse in general that it, that it started. It was like very freeing and and very liberating. So.
1: You mentioned, how and I've been struggling with this too as you know we get closer to expanding our family Mm -hmm. how to navigate those nine months I don't feel not that I don't feel excited but I feel extremely nervous like Mm -hmm. I know I'm gonna have these markers at certain stages like of the pregnancy so I I could really relate to you saying like you've kind of feel robbed of the joy, right? Because it's, it's scary. It's not, after you have a miscarriage, everything shifts in life. And I know for me that everything has completely kind of been, it's just like, I don't know how to even explain it. It's just like, I'm watching everything. I'm really in tune with my body. I'm also being a realist, you know, moving forward.
0: So yeah, I mean. Even this last time, yeah. you know, I was kind of like very cautiously optimistic and cautiously excited and, you know, as time kind of kept moving forward and, you know, my boobs felt like they were going to explode and I felt <laughs> sick to my stomachs, and, yeah. and, like, all of these symptoms and feelings kept carrying on, I, you know, I did start to, like, become a little bit more comfortable with the pregnancy. And, you know, I think there was part of me that just was like, this can't happen to me a third time, you know, like I've been through my two losses and like, there's just, you know, like, no, like this, just the statistics are, you know, in my favor kind of a thing. And like, sure enough, it happened again. And was obviously very upset and very heartbroken. My DNC was traumatizing. And then I had to go back a week later for a second one because I had this giant blood clot and, you know, it was, terrible. But for some reason, you know, I feel pretty committed to like, giving this a shot naturally again. And like, it seems like almost a crazy thing to do just like putting yourself in this completely vulnerable situation where you could set yourself up to be, you know, completely destroyed and heartbroken again. But I've just never been so committed to to, to doing something, I guess. I like know in my heart that I will hold a baby in my arms one day. And like, I'm just willing to go through the worst to get there because I know It'll just be so worth it when I do. So, you know, I anticipate it continuing to be scary and hard. And, you know, I just keep tapping into that, you know, that loss of control that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just doing my very best to stay present. You know, like, I'll make it through. I've made it through this so far. I've made it through a lot of other things in my life. Like, I don't anticipate not being able to to make it through, you know?
1: Yeah. I feel the same way. Um, so as we, as we wrap up, I want to ask you this last question. Okay. What has miscarriage taught you about motherhood?
0: I mean, I have only had babies inside of me for, you know, nine weeks at the longest. And I've never felt like a stronger connection to anything in my life. And, um, I know that that's just a fraction of what that will feel like giving birth to a baby and holding a baby in my arms and, um, you know, having to raise it and help it navigate the world and all of that. So, you know, it's really taught me more about love. I consider myself someone that knows a lot about love, but, um, it's taught me quite a bit more about love and again it's just taught me that um to sort of let go a little bit just because you know this is one day going to be a young man or a young woman that goes out into the world on their own and i'm just going to have to trust and believe that everything's going to be okay and that's what I'm working on doing now is just trusting and believing that everything's going to be okay
1: thank you thank you Hey Girl is a member of the District Productive Network produced by Jamie Benson and me, Alex L music provided by DC's own Kokai